On today's episode of Double Down Trent, the podcast is back. Now that sports have officially returned, so does Double Down Trent. That's right, we took a hiatus during this quarantine as well. But now the NBA is back having playoff basketball in a bubble. The NHL also back having their playoffs in a bubble. It's been fantastic. We're going to give you our thoughts on some of the return to sports and what they've done well like putting on sports at 1.30 in the afternoon, playoff basketball every day of the week. It's been fantastic. And then some things like the seven-inning doubleheaders in MLB that maybe we think we should do away. Then we pivot to the NFL because it looks like all signs are pointing to an official season. So we welcome on Coulter and the model as we discuss some future picks like division winners, over-unders, and Rookie of the Year awards. So stay tuned for episode 76 of Double Down Trent. Double Down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies, let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe, trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah, Double Down Trent, let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right. Welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Joining us on the program today, Mr. Model Aaron. How you doing, my man? I am still trying to figure out what year it is. I cannot even believe it right now. Where are we? What's going on? Are sports back? They're back. I like we, it. We've been stuck in time. And, and at the same time, it feels like time has flown by. It feels like time has not moved at all. It's a weird phenomenon. And we have also got our own insider on the program today. Coulter, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, we are literally eight days away from the start of the NFL season. I couldn't be happier. That literally means think- eight more nights of going to bed with thinking there is no football. And then finally, eight days from now when I wake up. It'll be football time. Yeah. I thought there was going to be no NFL. I really did. I was, uh, you know, holding out hope. And it's like all the reports are amazing. Yeah. It's, it's it's better than I ever could have imagined. I'm I'm so happy. Yeah. And when, for me, I think the symbolizer was hard knocks. When I saw hard knocks back, I was like, oh yeah, football, hard knocks. We're in camp. This is going to happen this year. And here we are. It's been a while. uplift was watching those guys practice and figuring it out in that first episode of being like, you know what? They have figured this out. You yeah. know, this is a billion dollar industry and they figured it out. Good for them. Like, yeah. I mean, the same can't be said for college football era. I know we've got some conferences that are hanging in there that are saying they're playing. What do you think we're going to get from the NCAA? It's going to be a totally mixed bag this year. I, I will say having a college football game on this past weekend, central Arkansas playing Austin P just phenomenal to have that back i could not be more excited to have watched that game fantastic game by the way if you missed it fantastic yeah uh this year i think will be a little bit of a throwaway year we have a bunch of players sitting out uh you know for their futures some divisions opted in some opted out it's going to be a mixed bag i'm 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 lukewarm i'm excited that we're going to have something but uh, i wish there was more 
Yeah, that game on Saturday felt like one of the quintessential double down trend games that we were going to pick. It just had a <laughs> whole writing on there. The Austin P. I mean, just come on. Um, I, I'm kind of excited about what the college football season can have here because now we're hearing reports that the Big Ten might be coming back in like October, playing a later season. I don't know how it works, but I'll tell you what. If I hear that CBS SEC music on a Saturday, I'm just going to be – it's going to be overjoyed. I just don't know what to expect. Hope they play, and I hope that the uh, ACC plays like they say they're going to play. And who knows what's going to happen because if you've got a couple of conferences playing, a couple that don't, how does it work for the national championship? Are, are they going to be crowned a, a, you know, a normal national champion? What do you think, Coulter? Uh, I mean, it's gonna. They're gonna. There's gonna be an asterisk, right? This I year. Uh, I, I mean, we have a. You know, we we're gonna talk about things that we've liked the the most and least, and there's a lot to like actually in the last month with what's been going on in the bubbles uh, with the NBA and the NHL and how they've scheduled it, and we'll get into that. But I, if I were to target one thing I really don't like about the start of sports, it's to hone in on the Big Ten and not to. But the hypocrisy and the lack of leadership and everything that's been going on with them is, I think they might be on the top of my mountain of everything that's gone wrong with sports. Just play the damn games. Your competition is playing them. You know, I hate to say follow the SEC, but like, just do it, you know, and that way we can at least, we won't have to have this argument, right? All it takes is the Big Ten to play. And then that my answer yeah. to your question changes. There is no asterisk. As long as we have the big four, it's fine. Right? Yeah. I mean, Pac-12 not playing. They never get they've always the playoff, been, they though. never, yeah, they've been on the fringe of the playoff every year. So, I mean, I think if you got four conferences, it's more legitimate, but, uh, even if they start later, four or five is a lot better than the three out of five. I think. Absolutely. But even if they start their season later, how, how is that going to work? I mean, you can't have the sec, it's, ACC, uh, it's such a mess in December. Yeah. And then they're playing the big, they're going to they're gonna try to start, start it in end of October. And it's just like, why couldn't you just agree to play in September? You had, yeah. Uh, it's the, yeah, the whole thing is lack leadership um, from the top down. And, you know, I feel bad for the kids that are in those schools because they're going to have to watch kids at Clemson and Miami and Oklahoma and Iowa State. I mean, what about if you're a Hawkeye and you have to watch yeah. Iowa State play this year? And I know that program, that's probably a bad example because they've had a lot of issues. But if you're Ohio State, you have to watch LSU play. You know, it's just not it's just not fair. It's going to be rough. But like you said, there have been some things that have occurred here in our uh, bubble world of sports that I really love. Um, and it actually felt like it had happened at once. And it kind of did. It felt like we had no sports at all. And then you flipped a switch and you had every sport happening at the same time. So we had NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, MLB came back. And it really it was great. It felt like, uh, you know, even almost a possible better viewing experience. What do you got, Mr. Model? I also feel like you're forgetting a big one in golf. Golf has been one of the golf. most yep. phenomenal things to have Sunday on. Was the yeah, best. incredibly entertaining. I agree with the model. Golf has actually surpassed all the other sports. I love golf this year. It's been so much fun. And I love Rom, the Spaniard. Yeah. He's, my, he's my favorite athlete right now. And we kicked it off, I guess, kicked it off with the Tiger uh, and Phil celebrity match with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. That kind of got golf jump started but the majors the actual pga has been great you know that's one of those sports that you know you, i guess you can make an argument that sometimes you can get momentum swings when you hear the crowd going that classic what they called the tiger roar um but i've loved it without fans and you've actually gotten more interaction with the golfers 
which I think is better. Um, I would love to hear them mic'd up the whole time talking to each other. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be like smack talk or, you know, talking shit. But I'll use Phil Mickelson as the example. When he was playing with Tiger, I thought it was great. The commentary that he was adding, like the the stuff about the green being different colors, which means it's going to slope differently. It, that part to me was really fascinating. I, I would love to see golf add that little element into their broadcasts to already lift a, a really good uh, sporting event. What do you guys think on that? I've, I, I've, I've loved uh, every aspect of the way that they've filmed the golf. Um, the telecast has been great, um, but I agree with what you're saying. Once it comes back with fans, if we could get more of that, um, I think that, I mean, it's, the sky's the limit, I think, for golf. They have so much young talent. And you, you see DJ play Ron last week, and then you have uh, Justin Thomas and Morikawa you know, a month and a half earlier doing the same thing in a playoff. And you think of those four, but sport's in just such good shape. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the NFL with, with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Like The league has really never been in better shape with young quarterbacks. So um, I think golf is definitely in a good spot going forward. Yep. Great call, Mr. Model. Um, so I've got a couple of things here, uh, that I want to cover just in terms of some changes that happened in sports. Um, but why don't you kick us off here, Coulter? Do you have anything that you liked specifically with any of these sports, uh, in, in terms of their comebacks? Um, I think basketball has done a really good job. Honestly, I've enjoyed watching the NBA. The product before the playoffs was really good. I think, uh, I mean, some teams weren't competing, but I mean, those Blazers games were a lot of fun. Uh, there was a really good Raptors game in there. And then since the playoffs have started, I think the competition has been great. Um, I think the NBA has done it a little bit more naturally than the NHL. I think it looks a little odd without the fans for the NHL, and it does kind of lack the energy. But I think the NBA has actually kind of circumvented the lack of fans, and they've done a pretty good job with the environment there. Um, I've enjoyed having both on during the day. As we were saying before we recorded, it's like August kind of flew by because it was like one – 1 p.m. hockey and basketball for a whole month. It was it was great. I loved I loved the scheduling of uh, spacing out the games so you could see all the different teams. I think that is something that they should definitely do moving forward. Yeah, and to me the schedule has been fantastic. Like I said earlier, it's been almost like a March Madness situation where you turn on the TV at like noon. You've got playoff hockey. You got playoff basketball starting. Depending on the day, you got golf in there. There's always baseball happening. I mean, it's been just a sports overload. Um, but you hit the nail on the head there, Coulter. I thought NBA has done this the best, um, for whatever reason, you know, that, that sport transformed better without fans than any other, the sports so far, it just They've felt been practicing too down in Vegas, uh, you know, over the last four or five years with the way that they play their games there and record them. So this was, they had a leg up on the NHL. I think they've been preparing for a, a situation, not like the pandemic, but they've definitely been preparing to film games without fans because they yeah. do it down summer league yeah and it's it's almost felt more like a street game like they're just out like in a park somewhere playing um and you really can see in the playoffs especially the uh the intensity that they have like i, I wasn't sure if this was going to be kind of a a chummy situation where they're friends and it's not going to get into it but the nba playoffs have been really uh really good games and you can tell these guys are getting after each other and they're they're chipping each other from the sidelines talking smack so it's been good. Um, I think you're right with NHL too. You know, I, I've watched uh, some of the playoff games, but it's harder to get into it. I mean, that's a sport that really relies on on home crowds. 
Um, the atmosphere so, is definitely yeah. noticeably different in the playoffs. I mean, when it was the play-in games, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. You know, it's got a, like a Olympic hockey kind of vibe to it, you know, during the day. But then now it's like playoffs and it's like real stakes. And you're right. There's just that extra 20% that's some, it's just missing in the atmosphere of the building. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm going to switch over to MLB. <laughs> I just haven't That's been able the one to... that's been kind of a disaster with the schedule. Yeah, I haven't been able to get into it. Mr. Model, do you got any beefs or complaints with how they're handling the scheduling of this? I It's just been really painful to watch. So to me, I, I go back to the uh, when they first announced the schedule and they were going to be launching everything, and they barely made it a couple days before the first team was not even playing anymore. And I think for Manfred, it was such a huge challenge to try to walk that tightrope as a PR of, uh, you know, celebrating the start of the season while also making sure that the players were safe among all this, some of the players opting out to me, it's been really hard to engage with, uh, you know, these shorter games, shorter, obvious season, uh, you get flashes of highlights of, uh, players coming back and you know what you're going to have for the future. Uh, a lot of good young talent that I think will be fun to watch, but this season just feels like a throwaway to me. Not to mention my Nats aren't really performing well at all. So that's uh, just one more piece that makes me want to stay away. The Nats are going to end up in last place. They are. Oh, don't say struggling. it. Don't say it. Yeah, I so had that, trouble getting into it too. But Coulter, go ahead. What, is there anything takeaways you've had from MLB? Uh, yeah, I just think that, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, if the Yankees are playing and, you know, there's no, it's not a Fox game, the Yankees should be on at one or four. There's no reason to have the Yankees on at seven o'clock on a Saturday. I've worked all week. I've worked hard. I want a Saturday baseball game during the day. It would be during the day in normal time. I don't understand why the condensed season makes it a Saturday, seven o'clock game. Same with Sunday. Play every weekend game during the day. People are not working play the weekday games during the day. Who cares? I don't understand this. Like they want to settle in and play everything at seven o'clock. It's like, if the NBA and the NHL have taught us that you do not have to be in this like rigid schedule, not to mention your baseball, you started during the day. That was how the sport originated. Like it originated. It's like, and it's I felt ridiculous. like during like normal times, there was all always random, like one o'clock on a Thursday games. You're like, why are they doing this now? This is the opportunity. I agree. Play some day games, especially if we're going to have a condensed college football schedule going on. I mean, give us sports during the day. I hate weekend night games uh, for uh, baseball. Can't stand it's it. just it's not good. I, I had some thoughts, too, on the structure of the game. So obviously they changed a few things. They went with the seven inning double headers. I'm surprisingly into that. Uh, I don't want it to be a normal part of the, the schedule where it happens all the time. But I think moving forward, if you get a doubleheader scheduled uh, because of a rainout or whatever happens, I kind of like the seven innings. I mean, it takes away at-bats. It takes away what they're going to consider as stats, I guess, for these guys. Uh, I actually like that. What do you guys think on the seven innings? I'm I'm all for tradition. This is is (laughs) going back to – this is making me sound old. I'm all for those nine innings and making sure that I can compare stats and performance – year over year and having these seven innings be a shortcut to just getting the games done and good enough just doesn't feel right to me. I totally get it for this year. And I think it's the, I think it's a good call, but it's not something that I would want to see stick around. Coulter. Completely agree with what the model just said. Uh, I, for this year, it's fine. I'm not going to have an opinion on it just because of what's going on. But uh, going forward, I'm a traditionalist. I don't need to see 
seven inning double headers. Um, with that said, I think it's a good thing that they're doing it this year. Okay. And it, it gives me at least a little taste of what I'm asking for. It's like yesterday or two days ago, there was a double header. It's like, at least there's some action during the day. Yeah. I can't, I can't totally throw the seven inning double headers under the bus cause they are working in real time. But like, I think in, in a normal baseball season, I'd rather see it the way it's always been. Yeah. Now two changes that I don't think are going away for the MLB is the designated hitter in the NL and the expanded playoffs. I just don't think those are changes that they're going to roll back. What do you think? Too much money on the line, too yeah. many stats, too many highlights. I completely agree that that's a done deal. Yeah. Cause I mean, if with the DH, I know it fundamentally changes the way you play the game, but it gives a guy now a, a permanent role as a DH. You get that player a full seasons of at bats you know, in, in theory, it helps out teams. Pitchers don't have to risk possibly getting injured, running the bases I, that that's not going to go away in my opinion. And then playoffs, like you said, just, there's just too much money on the line. If you got more playoff games, more nationally televised games, those aren't going away either. So I think, uh, those are some changes that you're going to have to live with in MLB and just might as well get used to it. And in theory, like, I think, I mean, this could just be a nineties kids take on it, but like, isn't there just like I said, there's more money for the playoff expansion, but isn't there more money in the sport with when everybody has a DH? I mean, I think of Frank Thomas, I think of Edgar Martinez, I think of Paul monitor. I mean, these are some of the best players of their generation uh, and they play DH. And so it's just like, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's like a marketing impact that could happen. Like let's say Juan Soto can't play in the outfield next year, but he can DH for the nationals he's one of the most, he's the biggest face of the team. Like he's yeah. one of the biggest young five players in the sport. Like I think it's essential to have the ability to let these guys bat, you know, and not take them out of the lineup because of a physical disadvantage or whatever, as long as they can hit, that's what the fans are wanting to pay. So it's just like, I think it's a really important distinction. Um, you know, I saw it with a rod of the Yankees. It was like when he couldn't field anymore, he would DH every night. And guess who was watching the Yankees? Everybody. Because A-Rod yeah. was on the team, you know, big name, DH. It, it, it's good for, I think it's good for um, getting big name guys, more opportunities. And uh, I just think it's better for the sport to have. Yeah. A guy like Big Poppy or David Ortiz. I mean, he, he was yes. the heart of a DH. Like, you get superstars yeah. that, you know, are, are better su- suited as a designated hitter. And it, it can also extend careers. You look at guys that that's what I, I think that's what I was trying to with say with a rod. Yeah. I mean, you extended a rod's career by two or three years and you got people paying to watch him. So I think that's going to, going to stick around now, Mr. Model, I know it's still early in our technically quote unquote sports season, but we've already got a potential Dr. Melfi. I need you on the couch here. I need to talk this through. Yeah. So there's been some changing landscape I hear in the sports gambling industry in the U S you, that, What's what's it look like in D.C. right now? That is correct, my friend. I have been teasing it on here. It's been just in my head for the past year, maybe even longer, that Washington, D.C. is going to legalize sports gambling. It's going to have locations and kiosks and an app. Well, they passed all the legislation. They rolled out the app, and it's up and running. And I'm like, all right, finally, here we go. But they released it when there is no sports. The height <laughs> of the pandemic. I guess maybe they want to just you know, see if their website worked and see if the app worked, but no one was taking bets. Nothing was happening. Well, once we got around to some NBA, some NHL, I was like, oh, I'm going to dabble. I'm going to put some in here. Let's see how this works. I put in my information. I sign up. I create my account. I put a deposit in. I went to place my first bet, and I get a pop-up notice that oh, I am no. in a blackout zone. Oh, no. 
<laughs> I was so mad. I was like, what do you mean a blackout zone? So it turns out because I live close enough to the Washington Nationals stadium that I'm considered in the stadium zones. And one of the rules was you cannot gamble inside a sports arena. So I get it. I understand that. If you guys are going to eventually put kiosks in there, great. So I email the customer service line. I'm like, hey, I completely understand this, but nobody is going into the stadiums this year. How about you drop that rule this year, get some people engaged in your app, and go from there. And all they wrote back was, you're located inside the stadium zone. Sorry. Fuck off. That really what needs to happen there is that they need to get better technology to actually geolocate you. Yeah, Yeah, that's for sure. The right location and know that you're close but outside the stadium. I mean, that's that's the big to-do there that, uh, you know, they got to get you hooked up so that you can uh, make some bets. I, I do. I do secretly love the idea of you walking to go get coffee just to place <laughs> action on a Sunday morning, though, in the fall. So secretly that's my, deep down, I, I do. Yeah. I do love your workaround for it, but it, I, it's utterly ridiculous. If it was me, I'd be throwing a trash can at their building or something. Yeah, I'm furious. So for all the listeners, that's my workaround. Is I figured out where my local coffee shop is. It's <laughs> just outside. outside of the range. So I guess every Sunday morning, I'm going to be walking just posting up at the coffee shop, even though I'm not allowed to do that. I'm just going to stand on the sidewalk, maybe grab a bench somewhere and put in my bets. Cause that's all I've got to do. And now it screws me from the live betting, which I really like, but it's at least something for me to do. I can, I can make the walk, but my shit's all locked in. Like what happens if someone gets hurt and then something changes or a giant swing in the points, the live betting I'm out on. That's how the, that's the vig for you this year. They've got all yeah. sorts of big built in for you. Yeah, uh, that's, and it's Mr. really Donald, to your point. Google Maps. Can we not just use Google Maps? You can see exactly where I am. I'm not in the stadium. Blows my mind. It's bad. Just think of it for your health. You're going to be walking a little bit more than you would. <laughs> I guess that's true. All right, Mr. Model. It's time for us to introduce what we're doing this year. Now, the picks that we have been doing previously. It's going to be a little trickier to discuss college football. We're not sure where they're at, but you have been in the lab working, grinding out this entire time, and you've got a big announcement for us. So let's let's hear what we're going to be doing this year. Yeah. So during the offseason, during the throes of COVID, I uh, decided to start trying to put together an app for our podcast to host all of the contests that we run throughout the year. So college football, NFL, maybe some March Madness, et cetera. So in the next week or so, as the as we run up to the start of the NFL season, we will be launching our very own Double Down Trent web app where users can come, they can log in, they can create their own account, totally free, and then join us in picking NFL games for this season. What we're going to be doing just to start, just as like a little teaser to get us going, is that we're going to be picking five NFL games each week. You'll be going up against Coulter. You'll be going up against the man. You'll be going up against myself. And we'll see how we all do. It's going to be pretty simple just to start. We'll be picking five games, and they'll each be one point. If you get it right or wrong, it's all based on the spread. And then from there, we'll continue to add in new contests as we launch them throughout the year based on what sports are happening. But, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty cool to see. It's totally customized. This is something that I have managed to figure out and build from scratch. 
you're going to notice that there's going to be a little things that just don't aren't perfect. That's on me. But uh, hopefully this will be good enough to start. And I'm excited to uh, get our listeners participating and going up against all three of us to see who is going to be the best performance this year. Yeah, a major development and great job by you by doing that. Uh, for those of you who played with us in the last couple of years, we use Google Forms. We sent in the stuff, you know, kind of getting our feet wet. This is now all of a sudden professional, legitimate. The site looks great. So for all the listeners out there, we're going to get all the information uh, set up, established, tweeted out. Uh, we'll announce it on next week's show as well, where you guys can find everything. Um, but the site looks great. And, you know, if you guys have listened to us in the past, maybe you can figure out who you want to pick with, pick against between the three of us. Um, but it looks fucking awesome. So well done, sir. Um now, what we're going to do as well, like Aaron said, we're going to pick five games every week for you guys to choose. Uh, we're just going to pick the five most interesting games as they appear to us, um, and you can guys can go on and make the picks. There's no money. You don't have to put any money down uh, to, to play. This is just going to be a, a pride game. But if there's any sponsors out there who may be listening, who would like to sponsor this and maybe give us a giveaway or something, you know, we're, we're looking. So uh, keep your eyes out for that one. Um, and, and next week we're going to pick the five games and that'll be our week one podcast. So we're hoping you guys can play along with us. Uh, what we're going to do though, for the remainder of the show is we're going to talk about some best bets for the future picks that you might make things like player MVP, offensive rookie of the year, team over unders. There's a whole bunch of my- a myriad, if you will, of options that we can gamble on here. So what we're going to do, we're going to narrow this down to three picks each. We're going to do your best bet. We're going to do a flyer pick. And then the third one is going to be a don't overthink it pick. So, Mr. Model, why don't you take us away with your first pick? It could be any of those. Yeah. But let's know what you're thinking. Yeah. And I think my three picks are going to be more along the lines of don't overthink it and just best bet. I didn't do any flyers here. My first one, very much a don't overthink it. New Orleans Saints to win the division, minus 120, which translates right around to about 54% likely for them to win. This pick for me is largely based on the momentum that Tampa Bay, or should I say Tom Brady South, has uh, been gaining across the offseason. I think there's way too much pizzazz, and this reminds me of the Cleveland Brown momentum that existed last year at the beginning of the season where they were the darling of a lot of folks. I just don't see it happening. So when I look at this division, it's a clear top two teams. You got the Saints and the the Bucks kind of going against each other. The other two are just going to be non-entities, in my opinion. And if you if you look at the depth of the Saints, you know, let's say Breeze goes down, you can have Jameis Winston stepping in. That's not true for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. You know, a 43-year-old Tom Brady could get injured at any point. Do you guys know who the backup for the Buccaneers is? Any Gabbert? Blaine Gabbert. That's right. That's right. So to me, the the comparison there, it's going to be a significant drop off if Tom Brady were to get injured. I I really do like the Saints at minus 120, uh, and we'll see how they roll the rest of the year. Colton, what do you think? Uh, You know, this is a great pick because it does allow me to touch on, uh, you know, I was texting you guys last week, which is fascinating, but Joe Burrow has a 4.5 impact to the spread, whereas Drew Brees, uh, you know, Hall of Famer, is only 1.5 and that's because of the Jameis Winston factor. So I think the model hit something really hard on the head. And we saw it last year in real time. Breeze goes down, Bridgewater comes in, saints go five and zero. 
Saints still get the three seed in the playoffs. Everything runs smoothly. Same exact thing uh, could happen this year with Jameis Winston. Um, and I also like what the model said too. I think the other two teams in this division are kind of lightweight. When I ranked out the NFC teams, I have the Falcons at 11. I have the Panthers dead last at 16. So there is an opportunity for the Saints to get some easy wins there. I think the one thing I'm hesitant about is I think Tampa Bay's defense um, with Todd Bowles is very underrated. Um, and so if they are if they are shut down defense and Brady is not asked to do a lot, um, you're talking about a Tampa Bay team that I think went seven and nine last year with 30 interceptions. So th- that could be a huge swing for them. I'm a little hard pressed to invest on the division line just because of that. I think that that first week's game between the saints and the bucks, and then their other game later in the year could really be the decision maker. Um, and I really haven't figured out where I have it right now. I have the bucks as the three seed in my preseason picks and the saints as a five. So it's razor thin. Um, just a small advantage to Tampa Bay because of the lack of turnovers switching from Brady to Jameis or Jameis to Brady. But I think the model did hit a very key point in that uh, the saints have depth and I don't know if necessarily the bucks do. Does this change at all? If for whatever reason they trade Alvin Kamara, because the running back position generally is interchangeable. Teams have depth. There's a lot of guys there that can step in and fill in, in for a running back. But Kamara, he catches a lot of passes. He's a dynamic role player in that offense. If you lose a weapon like that, does that I'll, affect your pick? I'll make a double down trend best bet here on the <laughs> air. Uh, there is no chance in the world that Alvin Kamara is getting traded. I Period. love it. Will not happen. Cannot happen. And, uh, to the models bet, actually, he'll probably love to hear this. My, you guys know my number one thing with the saints, I'm anti saints because of one reason it's Taysom Hill. And it's the way that Sean Payton manages this weird dynamic that they have at the goal line. But I think once you give Alvin Kamara, the hundred dollar, a hundred million dollar, uh, contract, I think that changes. I think they finally give him the respect that he deserves. And I think that whole dynamic finally blows over. So uh, if you're rooting for the Saints, I think you're rooting for that contract to get done here quickly and uh, for Alvin Kamara to get the respect he deserves. I mean, he is the only player in NFL history that has had 2,000 yards rushing and receiving over the first three years of his career. Only player in NFL history to do it. This guy is – the fact that they even think that Taysom Hill is as effective near the goal line is just baffling to me. I just I don't understand say, it. I was going to say, if they uh, give Taysom Hill a big contract extension, but not Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara. Yeah. The bonkers move well, of the century. That's what uh, would make you hate this this bet that the model laid out here, is, is if they don't get a deal done with Kamara, and you're looking at it, and, and it's week three or week four, and they're two and two, and you're wondering, like, how are they two and two? They're so talented. And it's because they pay guys like Taysom Hill, and they don't pay Alvin Kamara. And guess what that does to a locker room? Divides yeah. it. Yep. Divides it. And I know Sean Payton, and you've heard me praise him on this podcast before. I, they'll get this deal done. There's no way. Uh, he knows how important the culture is, the locker room. You're going to start losing half of it if you pay a guy like Taysom Hill and you don't pay a stud like Alvin Kamara. The deal will get done. He is not going to get traded. You heard it here first, folks. All right, Carlton, why don't you give us your first pick? So we'll just do one straight down the middle, uh, similar here to the model, and we'll do Packers over nine wins. We'll also do the Titans over eight and a half wins, just two easy ones. The Titans are not the uh, best bet, though, is because they're minus 125. The value, though, on the Packers over nine wins is great. I love the plus 120. You get some plus money. You get Aaron Rodgers' revenge season. 
I think you get an underrated defense in Green Bay. I, I know I praised them last year. They didn't really lose anybody. I think that side of the ball is just as good as it was. Um, you know, the one thing that people will attack Green Bay for is that they don't have tremendous skill players for Rodgers. So be it. I think him and Adams are a great connection. I think Jones is a very special player. Um, week to week, I think he's a top 10 offensive player in the league. And I think we have got a pretty good offensive line. And you know what? I'm willing to take a risk. I think it's a weak division uh, with the Bears and Matt Nagy. I'm sure we'll make fun of him a lot this year. <laughs> Matt Patricia. I mean, you got the Mats in that division. And then you have the Vikings who have gotten worse on defense. They're making the trade for Yannick Ngakwe earlier this week, um, which shows that they're still invested on the Kirk Cousins era, dynasty, whatever. But I just don't know if it's there for Minnesota. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a flyer and uh, take some value Packers over nine wins. Like that pick, uh, Ronald, what do you think? I don't know. I, I I struggle with that a little bit just because I I anchor to the lack of weapons, like in terms of receiving core. I don't know. I, I I'd like to see uh, Aaron Rodgers with a little bit more help. I think I still think that he's got a lot of skills and can can do a lot of it himself. Um, but when you're going to be relying on Mason Crosby to score all your points, that's probably not the best <laughs> scenario for you to have. So, yeah, very strange. I'm going to give you guys them. a name to remember for fantasy if you want. Jace Sternberger. He is the Packers' starting tight end. That will be a household name by week three. Mark that. Ooh, ooh I like it. All right, my fantasy draft is coming up. Thank you, Coulter. <laughs> Here's my thing about Green Bay and the weapons, and I know there, there's been so many pieces written about this, but why would they stand pat and not add a receiver or draft a receiver if they didn't like what they have with this guy, uh, Alan Lazard, St. Brown, MBS? I mean, they have a bunch of guys that have been in the locker room now for a year, and I know they didn't flash last year totally, but like to some extent they have to feel confident in what they had. Otherwise, they would have invested, right? I mean – I, that was my thought. I thought I thought it was the strangest pick in the entire draft, but maybe they just loved love so much that they had to have him. But to me, if you look at the Packers last year, they're one win away from the NFC championship. They're not that far off. Their defense is pretty stout. It is just a strange pick. But you got well, the point that I think is interesting with the Packers is the Aaron Rodgers fuck you tour. I mean, this could be just him going. Yes going back to his roots and just lighting up the skies and just pissing off everybody being like, Oh, you didn't think I could do it anymore. Well, you know, here it is. Ah, it's tough to well, say though, but to me, nine wins is, is not that much to ask for a team like that. When you've got pretty much four guaranteed wins against the bear lions. Yeah. I was going to say, I love the division aspect here. And I think, um, I, I'm not a Vegas, you know, I don't set the lines. I don't work in Vegas, but you know, they won 12 games last year. And one can't help but thinking that this was a byproduct. The Vegas has now swung the line three less games because the Packers got quote unquote lucky last year. They were kind of that breakout team that didn't necessarily quote unquote earn all their wins or whatever, but this is a harsh swing for three games. I mean, I get why you would rate this team as a nine and a half win team because of that last year. But like, this is just actually, I should say they were 13 and three. So this is a four, win swing from where they were last year. And I just don't see what they've lost that would warrant that. I mean, I still think they have a top 10 quarterback. As I just said, I think they have a top 10 running back top two receiver in Adams. And I think they have a top six or seven defense. I'll take nine wins for that team and in the bad division. And the one negative thing, the only negative I can think of other than they don't have a receiver number two, which is not that big of a deal for me is that they don't have a home field advantage. 
But you know what the fun fact about the Packers is? Then the Saints and the Seahawks are the only teams in the league that demand a three and a half or four and a half spread at home. And the only reason why the Packers have that is not because of their fans. It's actually because of their field. So they still have a home field advantage. Give me the nine wins over. All right. I like it. My first pick that I'm going to throw out here, uh, a little bit of a not risk, but to me, uh, I'm still getting a little bit of value here. So I'm going to pick the Colts to win their division. They're at plus 130 right now. Um, anytime I can see a team to win their division, I'm getting plus odds. I'm going to take a little look at what's going on there. Um, obviously they're in the, the division with the Titans. I'm just kind of more banking on two things here with this pick. Um, one, a slight regression by the Titans. I'm just not buying into Tannehill yet. I, I, I don't think he's the franchise guy that they, they just tagged him to be. Um, but for me also the Colts, you add a quarterback and I know Philip rivers is old and he's getting up there. Um, but the Colts had a hell of a year last year with Jacoby Brissett and the step up that they're going to get at quarterback to me is massive. They had a really good draft. In my opinion, they added Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin, uh, Pittman, the wide receiver from USC. And then they have a really deep talented roster. I mean, their defense is pretty much is loaded. They got Darius Leonard. They traded for DeForest Buckner. I think they've got the pieces in there to make a run at this. So I like the Colts here um, at 130 to win their division. I love that pick. Uh, you guys know how I feel about those Houston Texans. I just don't see it uh, there. Uh, they're at plus 450 to win the division. Jaguars are obviously going to be just a non-factor uh, at all in this. So it comes down to the Colts and Titans, in my opinion, maybe with the Texans having some impact based on them stealing a game or two from one of those other teams. But uh, yeah, I think with Phillip Rivers coming in, I think you're going to get a lot more dynamic in terms of the offense with what he can do with his arm. Not a lot of mobility, but uh, yeah, I think that offense is a little bit better than they were last year. Colt, what do you think? I have to give the Titans just a slight edge here. Um, I know a lot of people like Frank Reich, and there's been a lot of positive things written about him, and I think he's done a great job turning it around, and Chris Ballard has done a great job in the draft. But, I mean, it's not to say that John Robinson down in Tennessee has not done a great job in the draft, and I think that they might have just hit gold with this kid Evans. Uh, and if they pair him with Henry and they do what I think they can do on the ground, you know, it's it's not fancy, but I think they could just run teams into the into submission this year um, with that duo of running backs. And I think Henry, more than any other player, might have an advantage with this pandemic. Uh, I just don't see how you can tackle him. These guys are not practicing tackling in camp. He's a freight train of a human being. Uh, they couldn't tackle him in the playoffs last year after having a whole season of tackling and conditioning under their belts. So I, I am not going to go against Derrick Henry this year. I am going to go with the Titans. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little fade of you there. I like the Colts roster, but I'm a little afraid of, of Rivers. You hit Tannehill right on the head, though. I mean, this is a square toss-up. You're really if you take out the quarterbacks and you look down the rosters of each team, they're pretty much even. So it's really what you're betting on is what we just kind of went over the GM coach and quarterback. And, you know, I think it's just dead even, but I, I like Henry is kind of the difference maker, I suppose. Yeah. That division, he's someone I think model model hit it well too. I think that division's a two horse race. And so I'm a little bit weary to take the favorite because I feel like if the Colts lose to the Jaguars one weekend, uh, that could totally sway or, or, you know, opening weekend, you know, they're playing each other next week. So yeah. I feel like that could sway the whole division, uh, you know, a stupid division game like that. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think Bill O'Brien's got it in him anymore, or if he ever had it to begin with, but um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, well, I kind of like thing this about division here. This is you have to figure Marone and O'Brien are on their way out. Correct. So they're going to be coaching for their jobs every single week. Whereas you have Rabel, who I love, uh, you know, any coach that offers to cut off his testicles to make his team win the Super Bowl. (laughs) I I just, I love a man that says that. Um, (laughs) But I I do think Marone and O'Brien are going to be back to the wall. And I don't think they're very good as we've gone over on this podcast. But I think there is something to be said that when they're coaching against Reich and and Vrabel, who have um, kind of job security, that there could be an upset. you know, week to week. So I wouldn't yeah. put it past the Texans to beat the Titans or the Jaguars to beat the Titans or the Jaguars to beat the Colts. That division's always been that way. So just something to be, be cautious of if you're betting on the, the division odds in the AFC South. Fair points. All right, Mr. Model, what do you got for your next pick? Yeah, I'm going to put two of them together because they're both regular season win totals. So my first one, these are both don't overthink it. My first one is Patriots regular season win total over eight and a half at minus 135. Now, I don't love the odds there because those odds are something like 57, 58% likely. So to me, a lot of the value has already kind of gone away um, as this has ticked up. More and more folks have gotten on. But when I compare something like that bet to a bet that is also available in the market of Patriots to make the playoffs at minus 170, you know, those are largely the same bet. Uh, I think that in order to make the playoffs, you have to be at least a nine and seven team. So I, I actually really like over eight and a half at minus 135. Bill Belichick to me is going to be scheming up something that is just going to be, I think, phenomenal given some new dynamics with Cam Newton uh, on the team. I think Newton is going to be healthy. I think he's going to have a much better year than he has in the past. I Still think that the Jets and the Dolphins are going to be non-factors in their division, and it's going to be a two-horse race there as well. So I would like to think that the Patriots, given their long history, that they can at least get to a 9-7 and seven team, and I'm just not going to think uh, anything deeper than that. What's your guys' reaction? You don't think that uh, old Bill is tanking here to get uh, the number one pick? I think it's against his nature. I don't <laughs> think it can happen. Yeah, I mean, you found the value there. So the, the those two picks, basically, in my mind, I agree with you. Those, those are the same things. You get to nine wins in the AFC, the, uh, AFC East, you're, you're going to make the playoffs. You know, you got the Bills that are floating around. I think they're probably the better team. They're, they're obviously, I think, the favorite to win that division. But um, I like this as a don't overthink it. They're, the, the Patriots are a pretty good team. They were carried, obviously, by Tom Brady last year. Is the drop off that massive to Cam Newton where all of a sudden they're not a competitive team? I don't think so. I, I think they're going to be competitive. You had a great point there, too, with the Jets and the Dolphins. I mean, this is a, a, a key I feel like we're talking about with all these division teams and these picks that we're making. The Jets, I'm sorry, they're not going to be good this year. And the Dolphins are finding their footing. Are they going to stick with Fitzpatrick? Is it going to be Tua? They've got a lot to figure out. I think they're still a year away. So you can pencil in at least three wins against those teams. Uh, and then, you know, you, you scrap out the rest. So I like that over, uh, over eight and a half. Another best bet here on the fly Tua will not beat the new England Patriots in 2020. That's a guarantee. Bill Belichick will not lose to Tua. So if the dolphins switch to Tua in the middle of the season and they have the Patriots on the schedule, there's no way that he's beating the Patriots. Just not, not going to happen. Yeah, I'd be shocked on uh, that, but who knows? But I agree to your point. Those are some easy wins, and if you get to three or four just within the division, then all you have to do is win five outside of it. 
and that makes it a real easy layup. And let's not forget here, if, if Newton plays above average, let's say he's the 12th ranked quarterback at the end of the year instead of the 16th, the Patriots are an 11 and 5 team. Yeah. So all you need is just a little extra from Cam Newton. You need the shoulder to hold up. You need him to stay healthy, but you also need him to perform a little bit better than expectation, which I don't think is a lot to ask for, for a guy who's still in the heart of his career an MVP winner. I mean, I'm not asking him to be top five. I'm asking him to be top 15. Right. Mm-hmm. And if he is with that defense and with that coaching staff and that schedule, that's a really important thing. I got to love the over eight and a half. You also have to look at the odds too. I mean, we were just talking about Indianapolis uh, if you look at the conference odds, you know, it's a two horse race, obviously Ravens chiefs. We'll talk about that in a bit, I'm sure. But then after there's a severe drop off and it's Colts Pats who are 10 to one. So clearly the book is giving new England that respect, even though they think they're an eight and a half point team. So, uh, you know, to your point about making the playoffs and getting to the nine wins Vegas based on that 10 to one for me clearly thinks that new England is a, a nine win team based on yeah. that 10 to one. Definitely. Yep. And I mean, they have a lot right, good, Sorry, just to go with my last pick for a second, just to touch on it, because I don't think it needs a whole lot of conversation. Cincinnati Bengals regular season win. I'm taking under five and a half at plus 115. Uh, this, to, this to me is a team that I will be rooting for. I think I will be rooting for Joe Burrow to do well and to develop and to uh, get into the NFL groove. I also know that it's a first year quarterback and this is something that's gonna, just going to take time. So I think this team is going to be very much under development and I just don't see them winning more than five games. I think they have a schedule where they have a couple uh, competitive matches, you know, Redskins, Jaguars, et cetera. But I don't think that they're going to get to six wins. And I like the plus 115 odds here. This was a A plus scope by the model here. Getting the plus 115 is just fantastic. I give this a stamp of best bet approval for sure. I'm going to get in on this one as well. Um, and I agree with what you just said too. They're going to be a team that I'm going to root for and watch week to week because I'm going to take overs with Bengals because I just don't think they have the defense and I love their explosive weapons on offense. I mean, you combine, uh, Boyd and green with Ross and, uh, Higgins. I love what they have on the outside. If Burrow can start getting in a, you know, a rapport with those receivers, I think they could be really special scoring, but I just don't think the defense makes stops this year. And I think the NFC, uh, North is probably the strongest division in the entire league, other than maybe the NFC West. And uh, we can litigate that in a bit too, but I do like the North and I think the Bengals are going to get pounced by the Steelers, Ravens and Browns. I don't, I don't, I don't see a window where they could win even a division game. So that's Owen six right there. Uh, I do think the Browns are going to be much improved and uh, yeah, I, I just see that Bengals team three and 13 and in the top five again, I think they're, Obviously taking steps in the right, the right direction here. They're going to be a good team, I think down the road, but not this year. It's just, it's, it's tough. And you don't want to root against Joe Burrow. At least I don't want to root against Joe Burrow. And I, uh, one of my sleeper picks that I had, uh, going into the draft was T Higgins. You pair him up with, uh, with Burrow, like you said, Coulter too, they've got a bunch of mo- uh, uh, weapons out there. So, you know, T Higgins is in a position where he could really jump out I wanted to take a flyer on him and rookie of the year, but I just can't do it. He's sitting there at 80 to one. Um, but you know, we, we said this last year, aren't win it. yeah, I mean, it comes down to coaching too for the Bengals. Yeah, that's the thing. So, uh, I, I like that pick Mr. Model under what was it, five and a half wins. Uh, I just don't see them putting together anything here, uh, in the first year. They might have some flashes, 
but they're not going to be like a six-win team. I think that'd be. A, you'll I think see, you'll see some win. big plays on NFL red zone. But, yeah, you know, this is not a team you want to be investing in over five and a half wins. That's for sure. And you hit it. I was trying to avoid uh, slamming the coaching staff because I'll be doing it during the season. But you hit the nail <laughs> on the head too. I mean, this is not a good coaching staff, and I think it's going to be reflected when they're three and thirteen again this year. I mean, this is a team that was winless, right? They were oh, were they yeah oh and ten last year, and then they got a miracle win against the Jets because the Jets just didn't show up. I mean, that is not a team I want to invest in on the over. They couldn't win last year, and it's not like they've gotten – I know people have said they get the left tackle back and they had the quarterback, and that's important, but I don't see how just getting two players adds five-and-a-half wins to your total. Yeah, it's not. All right, Coulter, what's your next pick? Um, so this one's a little less down the middle and more out there. I really – and these are kind of like what the model just said. I'll pair these ones together. I love Cowboys to have the best record in the league at 11-1. to 1. I think that's terrific value when I rated out my teams. Dallas is my top NFC team this year. I think their offense is just simply unstoppable with Lamb. You add him with Gallup and Cooper. That is just the receiving trio that I would not want to try to <laughs> defensive game plan around. I don't even think Belichick would have the answer to that one. You add in Zeke Elliott as the running back to that offense. Holy moly. And if Blake Jarwin takes even a step forward, that is the most dangerous offense in the league other than Kansas City. So I love the 11-1 to there. I don't think teams can keep up with Dallas. That playing that simple, and I like what they have on the defensive side of the ball. I like Mike McCarthy as the coach. I think Dallas is going to run away with that division. Eagles are banged up. I think there's a really easy path for them to be 12 and four, 13 and three. All it takes is the chiefs to be a game worse. Cause I think they're the chiefs are the Cowboys competition with this. And then on the other side, jets, you hit it on the head when we were just talking about new England. I think them having the worst record in the league at 14 to one is really enticing to me. I know the Jaguars are going to give them stiff competition, in the AFC, but I think this is a jets team that can be firing their coach by week four. I think that, Bell might not be playing after week four. There, there's going to be all sorts of infighting and problems. I don't think they have great receivers. I don't think they have a good defense. And I think the locker room is just going to be really problematic. Uh, kind of the opposite of what we're seeing with your giants. And they're kind of coming around their coach with judge. I feel like the jets are not coming around Gase at all. And I feel like it's going to come undone earlier than, uh, earlier than uh, later in this season for the jets. So Cowboys best record in the league, 11 to one. I don't want to take their uh, NFC odds because it's just a steep uh, asking price to say that Dak will make it through the uh, playoffs and win the NFC. So I like that for best record. And I like jets as the worst team in the league at 14 to one. I think that's good value. <laughs> the poor jets fans. I mean, you just can't catch a break here. I think the biggest issue though, is Adam Gase and Adam Gase cannot get along with Le'Veon bell. And that seems to be, the focal point of their issues. I mean, they trade away Jamal Adams. Their defense is now depleted, whatever that, that they get the draft picks for the future. I think they won that deal. I, I really do. Uh, it, you know, the front office has set themselves up for future success, but I mean, in the short term, I just don't see it. Right. And when you rely on Le'Veon Bell to be your horse, you got to find ways to get him the ball. And I don't think Adam Gase has been creative enough to, make levy on the, the workhorse that he had been in Pittsburgh. They're just going to struggle this year. Um, now I, I have a backup quarterback too. Joe Flacco is backing up Darnold. So if Darnold goes out, that's like the Tampa Bay situation. I feel like that team just drops off even worse, <laughs> worse. And I know people don't even like Darnold, but like, I, I think that team is the, I think that team is the worst team in the league by far with Joe Flacco. So uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, that's a major drop to Flacco. Now, I have to address your Cowboys 11-1. As we all know, I am a New York Giants football fan. The Cowboys are get loaded. pushback. It's okay. 
they're they're loaded. I mean, they they made the trade for Everson Griffin. Their D line and pass rush is filthy. So even if you want to compete against the Cowboys, you need to have a really stout offensive line. Then you got to worry about all the weapons they've got on offense. They could be a really nasty team. So I don't hate your your Cowboys at eleven to one. But as a Giants fan, I just can't do it. I just cannot get behind it. I will never ever endorse or sanction that pick just out of pure fandom. And I want to tell you why. And you're going to call me crazy. You're going to call me a homer. But I have my flyer pick with the New York football giants to win the division at plus 1,685, 1685. I'm getting here for the cat, for the giants to win their division. I know it's a major long stretch, but is there any, any hope of that happening, Coulter, in your opinion? I know you probably don't think so, seeing that you picked the Cowboys. You know what? I love the odds um, for sure. And I think it all hinges on Daniel Jones. Not to sound like a talking head, but clearly from what we've seen, you know, on social media, this is a locker room that has bought into the coach for the first time in what a half a decade. I mean, you're a fan. You know how bad the coaching has been there in Mm -hmm. New York. And it seems like Judge has really kind of hit something and and has motivated the locker room appropriately. And, And what that can do to a team that, you know, if you're looking at over under win totals, I mean, that could boost a team by a win or two or even three wins. So I think if you're looking at bets for the season, you definitely want to look at that uh, and factor that in. But when it comes to winning the division, it all is on Jones because he's not only going to need to take a step forward, he's going to need to take a leap and he's going to need to become what Lamar Jackson did last year or what Patrick Mahomes did the year prior. He is going to need to be a top 10 pick, which with the Giants picked him in the top 10. He's going to need to perform like that if that ticket is going to cash. Uh, is it outside the realm of possibility? No, I could see it happening. I liked what I saw from Jones a lot. Uh, the one problem I would say is that the roster isn't great around him, so it makes it more of a challenge, but that's why you're getting the 16 to one odds. Exactly. On it. So I mean, I, I like the value. I'm... I mean, you're basically betting 16 to one. Will Daniel Jones be this year's Lamar Jackson? Exactly. I don't hate, I don't hate that. Yeah. If I throw down a $10 bet on that, I mean, so be it. Right. But I, you, you said some things that I have in my mind as to why I think this is not a ludicrous pick. And it's that it does require Jones to make that second year leap. And you just threw out three guys that have done that. Now, obviously I'm not saying Daniel Jones is on the level of those guys. He's not, but he also has Saquon Barkley who is coming back in his third season. Who's I was going to say, that's the one thing that Lamar did not have or exactly. Patrick Mahomes. They did not have a world changing elite. Bo Jackson type running back right beside them in the backfield. So I I agree. I think Jones will benefit greatly from having Barkley next to him. Exactly. And I think Joe judge is smart enough to, to say, Hey, I know who our best players are. Let's get these guys involved in the game plan. Then you've got this video of judge yesterday at the practice when they're doing slip and slide, the whole team is chanting his name. That is huge. You need a locker room that is united. And you said that perfectly. The giants coaches have been divisive the past few years. They have been terrible. There's no reason to get excited for them. All of a sudden now you got a great locker room. You got a team that's like playing all together. Huge. They go add Logan Ryan to add some veteran experience in the secondary. They obviously need that. It is a big blow in my mind that Xavier McKinney got hurt. The giants, uh, second round pick the safety from, uh, from Alabama, that's a huge blow. I'm not going to lie to you guys, but they've got pieces in place where they can make steps. Uh, and, and the biggest thing was their offensive line. They addressed it. They've filled those holes in theory. And if Daniel Jones can just work on his ball security, then it's not outside the realm of possibility. To me, the biggest thing though, is just the, the Cowboys. They're sitting there. They're a good team. And that's my only worry. But for 
a long shot, take a flyer. I love this pick. You do have to factor in with the Cowboys that this is a team that does get overinflated every year and they do miss expectations all the time. And so I, I could see it going real south in Dallas. Uh, you know, the Prescott situation, you know, let's say they underachieve early. They, you know, they have a lot of expectations. So I could see the train going south there. But like in my mind, I just don't know how an NFL defense can stop that offense on paper. And I just can't get over that idea. With that said, if someone's listening to this and they want to do the giants, I, I think it's, you have to factor what you just said about the locker room and the culture there too. I mean, I think Washington is completely revamping theirs, So I don't think they're even a competition in terms of culture. The Eagles had infighting a lot last year, which we hit mm -hmm. on this pod. We yep. don't know how much that locker room believes in Carson Wentz. Uh, and they've got a ton of injuries on their offensive line. I think it's going to be a very long season for them. They already have injuries with the receiver Rager. So I don't like what I'm hearing from the Eagles uh, camp. And I don't, love the Washington football team this year. I do like Rivera to turn them around eventually, but I just, in terms of culture, I think they're just too, they're too in the middle right now to say that they're going to take a leap. And then Dallas, again, the expectations are so high. They've got a new coach. So you don't know. I mean, they could implode. The Eagles could implode and it could be the giants at eight and eight or nine and seven, just winning the division. We've seen it before. I'd love it. I mean, I did think that they were going to take a step forward this year. Um, yeah. Yeah, eight and eight would be what I would what I would say like a a backdoor division win, maybe a nine and seven if you're lucky. Who knows? Um, all right, Coulter, why don't you give us uh, your your last couple picks here? Yeah, these are ones that I had kind of hit on. Well, actually, let me do one more over under Seahawks under nine and a half. Uh, this one, similar to Green Bay, has been adjusted down. You might be wondering how does a twelve win Seattle team get nine and a half? How does a Packers team get thirteen? It's because they won close games. Uh, at an exceptional rate last year. I think Seattle was seven and one in close games. Uh, historically, Russell Wilson's actually one of the league's worst quarterbacks in, in close games uh, in his, his career. Last year was the only year where he was uh, above 500 in close games. So I think they're going to, they're going to come, come down to the mean a little bit. And I referenced it when I was doing the green Bay handicap too. green Bay is not impacted by no fans because their home field advantage is the turf. The home field advantage in Seattle is the fans. They're not going to have fans this year. They're playing in the toughest division in football. I don't see them going three, more than three and three in their division. So I like the under at nine and a half wins. I don't know if they have the running back situation uh, kind of under wraps yet. They've had injuries at that position. They don't have uh, Jadavon Clowney re-signed, so they don't have a pass rush in my opinion. And yeah, Adams is a great trade piece, but I mean – if you don't get him under contract, he's going to be making noise all year long in that locker room. Yep. Um, you got the guy Dunbar. He had an off season. There's a lot of off season question marks I have with them and you're going to rely on Russell Wilson to do it all pretty much. And, and I know a lot of people uh, would be gung ho to jump in on an over nine and a half win if by saying, oh, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. I'm going to just fade all that this year. Um, there's something about that roster. They didn't have a great draft. The division is really tough. I think the Niners could beat them again twice. I think the Raiders, Rams are actually going to be better than most people think. If you look at the uh, odds, actually, the, the Vegas has the Rams eight and a half, so they they only have them to win less than Seattle. Um, I just don't see that many top tier talented players. I, I think the Rams have more talented players than the Seahawks do at this point. So I'm going to jump in on the under. I think they have a tough schedule. Uh, I just yeah everything and the travel. You know, I didn't even mention that this is a team that's buried in the Northwest. Uh, with the pandemic and the traveling and going back and forth to the East Coast. I think there's some value here on the under with Seattle. 
I actually think that division makes a run for the strongest division in the league this year. Um, I, I think you're going to see steps oh, yeah. forward no, from the Cardinals. Yeah, you got the Niners there. I mean, you know, that division is, is, is loaded. So to, to get over nine and a half wins, you're going to need to be a very dominant team. And I think just because of that division, you're not going to see a team run away with that division, uh, especially when you got like the Rams are sitting there, too. And they're, they're pretty talented. So to get 10 wins in that division is going to be really hard. This is a team. Let me just, uh, I, I referenced the schedule just then, but I wanted to give the listeners an idea. They start in the season at Atlanta. Okay. So let's just write that one off because it is week one. It's built into everybody, but then they have to travel back to Miami in week four. They have to travel to Buffalo in week nine. This is a team that plays in the Pacific Northwest. And I know travel is part of, you know, football, they're grownups, et cetera, et cetera. But like, there is something to this. I think they play at Philadelphia again this year. They play at Washington late in the season. They are going across the country five times this year. Uh, during the pandemic and they don't have the home field advantage. I, I'm going to go against them. I, I like the rest of the division a little bit more. I like, I think the Niners, you know, even though with the receiver issues, I really like that roster. Yep. Um, I think the Niners are going to struggle this year. They're not going to be as good as they were, but I think they're going to win that division. Uh, and they'll probably, I, I have this really interesting Niners saints game as the first week wild card game, the four or five, that would be just an amazing game of football for wild card weekend, but that's how I'm, kind of mapping it out in my head way too in advance. But yeah, <laughs> I, I like the Niners in that division. I, I'm very hard-pressed to say the Seahawks win 10 games. Yep, that's fair. Um, all right, my last pick here that I'm going to give you is my don't overthink it pick. Um, I am going to jump into the offensive rookie of the year pool, and I'm taking the obvious pick here. I'm taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He actually is not the betting favorite. That's still Joe Burrow, but I think that's just because people gravitate towards quarterbacks and Burrow's the flash. Terrific names. value by you for, for identifying that. There's no value in, in Joe Burrow winning this yeah, award. I, I don't understand how a guy who could go 4-12 and 12 will win the award. And I want to bring this to the table as well because we've talked about these picks in previous you know iterations. MVP is a quarterback's award. We know that. The offensive rookie of the year, though, has seen a little bit of parody. So I'm going to read you back the names uh, going backwards. So it's Kyler Murray last year, quarterback. Then you had Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, and Dak Prescott. So there's your second quarterback. Todd Gurley, Odell Beckham, Eddie Lacy, Robert Griffin III, and Cam Newton. Those are your past 10 winners. There's only five quarterbacks in there. So it's not always guaranteed to be a quarterback. I do think the value is here. You put a really talented player like Edwards Hilaire, into a loaded offense like the Chiefs, then it's a, a huge recipe for success. And when I look at it, you see everything that the Chiefs did on offense last year. Their running situation was not great. They really didn't have a force in the backfield to take the pressure off of Mahomes. Now you got a guy like Edwards Hilaire. That is just a recipe for you to steal this bet at four to one. It's not great odds, but you're still going to get some plus money there. Yeah, this is my favorite bet in this category, too. It's the safest. I, I only look, there's only four plays in this category, in my opinion. And you hit the one that's the only one that actually is worth playing a long or semi long shot that would revolve either an injury or a quick hook on Tyrod Taylor. Is I like the odds on Herbert at 20 to 1 because if he mm -hmm. comes in and they turn and they go 8 and 8, let's say they're 1 and 3 with Taylor and, and he comes in and they win eight games or seven games and, and they get to 8 and 8 with him, I see a path for him getting the award. I don't think that quick hook is coming. I think Ty Taylor plays at least eight games though. So I would not play that one. I also like uh, Dylan and green Bay at 75. I like the value there, but it 
requires Jones to get hurt. So there's really no value there. You're not, you shouldn't be betting on an injury. And then the other guy, uh, kind of go off your running back ideas, Cam Akers in, in LA at 20 to one, but the odds are actually not as good as I'd want them. I'd want them. I want, I'd want that closer to 25 to 30 to one. To yeah. Take it. Um, just because we don't know the situation out there. Henderson could be their go-to back. We also don't know if golf is just going to be looking to cup and, and woods and kind of ignoring the running back. I know they thrown to the running back in the past, but we don't know what his familiarity was with acres to assume acres is going to be girly in that backfield. This is a little too premature. So yep. to circle back to your bet, Edward Solaire is going to get the most volume and at almost four to one. I still think there's actually value here. It was when he was drafted, it was like 10 to one. So yep. it's obviously gone down, but, uh, I don't think Burrow should be the favorite. So I, I think this was a good bet on your part. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What do you got for your last pick? Yeah, these are just kind of like off menu type things. I think we referenced the Stefanski coach of the year prop in a previous pod 20 to one. I really like the Browns. I think all I have to do is make the playoffs and Stefanski's definitely in the top three of voting. We've, we've covered that on a previous pod though. I do still like that though. It actually went down. It was 18 to one. Now it's 20. So if you're in on the Browns, that is the way to bet the Browns this year. It's not a playoff bet or a over under win total or Baker Mayfield pass yards. The <laughs> bet is the coach. If they make the playoffs, you're getting 20 to one odds on their coach. He is going to have a shot at winning this award. If they make the playoffs, why would you bet them to make the playoffs when you could just bet on their coach at 20 to one? Huh. It's like almost a free roll. Uh, so I really, I can't emphasize that enough. If you like the Browns, just take that bet. Like it's so straightforward. Um, and then these are just two value has left the building awards. I mentioned Derek Henry on a previous pod, offensive player of the year. He went from 40 to one to 21 to one. So that's been cut in half. And Deshaun Watson, somebody has been listening to the podcast. He's gone from 25 to 17 to one for MVP this year. He is sixth in MVP voting, even though the Texans have a seven and a half win number. That's wild. Isn't that and, crazy? That tells me that they're I not to buck the model. Best bet on the fly. This is the third best bet on the fly. I like Houston over. I'll say it right now. <laughs> I, I don't like Bill O'Brien, but all I know is, is that if Deshaun Watson is the sixth MVP, there's no way this team is a seven win team. I mean, that is, I'm just looking at the, 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 the Vegas odds and I like what I see there. Especially because they traded away his biggest weapon. I mean, he, he you're, you got Deshaun Watson on his own now. Yeah, I, I I think that defense is really bad, and I think Watson can have a, a breakout year in fantasy too. I guess that's why I wanted to mention him. Is I think he, you know, you see Lamar Jackson getting picked where he is, and I'm just thinking, you know, Watson is just as good. I feel like, and he's a better passer, and he's going to have a much better game script. He's going to be down in games. He's going to be throwing. Save your pick on the Lamar Jackson and just go with Deshaun Watson if you want my two cents in fantasy. I like it. All right, to round out the episode, Coulter, last year we had talked about this as one of your picks that almost was a jackpot spin. You almost predicted the Super Bowl perfectly last year, but the Chiefs and Packers, it was alive right down to the wire. Do you have any magic like that this year? I'm already on it again, 59 to 1. That's my pick. Uh, I'm just going to keep rolling it with every year as long as Rodgers is in the league. Mahomes versus Rodgers, it makes a lot of sense. I have a little pizza bet on it. Uh, some three other ones that I'll throw out there um, that I'm also going to play just for fun. Uh, other than the Chiefs and Packers, I like Chiefs Cowboys. As I mentioned, I think the Cowboys offense is second in the league to the Chiefs. And I just think we've seen almost a kind of a flip of the switch here where offense reigns supreme nowadays. And I think those two teams are just going to be better than everybody else on offense this year. And so it makes sense at 33 to one to throw a little bit on there. 
I could also see Andy Reid versus Mike McCarthy. I think that head coaching match in a Super Bowl just makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, Ravens and Seahawks is a very trendy pick I've seen. I don't necessarily see it happening as I kind of just crapped all over the Seahawks, but at 43 to 1, you're taking two of the best eight teams in the league uh, from last season. How can you go wrong there? And two of the best quarterbacks. And then a long, 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 long shot Titans versus Saints at 118 to 100. I know you might think I'm crazy here, but the Titans were one game away from the Super Bowl and the Saints were the second favorite to win the NFC last year in the postseason. You know, they've had a horrible string of luck in the postseason, but if they're back in the playoffs, I'm going to be hard pressed to pick against them. I know they, it's going to be tough to pick them, but it, I just think that if they get there, they're, that team has to be on a mission when they're in the playoffs. And so I'll take a little risk on that. They weren't far off last year. So that does not seem like it's too far fetched of a pick here, but those are great odds. So I like, I, it. I think we did a good job handicapping those two divisions too. I think it's Saints yeah. Bucks, and I think it's Titans Colts. And so I think those two teams in particular have an inside path to get to the playoffs because of their weak division and at 118 to one odds. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take Mike Rabel cock cutting and, and Sean Payton, <laughs> my second favorite coach in the league uh, to make a Super Bowl. It doesn't scream out to anybody on paper, but I can see it happening. I absolutely love it. Well, all right. Those are our uh, futures picks for you guys to take a look at. We are back into it next week. We are into week one. We're going to post the picks that you guys can jump into on the website. We're going to post it all up. So go check out us on Twitter at Double Down Corp. We're going to put all that out there. Great episode, Coulter. Mr. Model, well done. We will see everybody next week on Double Down Trent. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Oh, I'm fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.